Uh, Our Creator, thank you um, that you sit with us in silence, that you are nearer to us than our own souls. Lord, whether um, we know you or not, whether we are, um, whether we know ourselves or not, uh, you know us, and Lord, you can speak to each of us, and Lord, our hearts um, were made for you, and so Lord, they're always very restless until they rest in you, and so Lord, would you help us to do that as we hear your word, when we hear um, your voice um, through the voice of our sister Trinity, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Here be portion. Okay, this is Luke 16, 1 through 15. Um, It says, He also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that he was wasting his possessions. And he said to him, And he called to him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Turn in your account of management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking away the management from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill, and sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then he said to another, How much do you owe? And he said, One hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourself by the means of unrighteous wealth. So that when it fails, you may receive into um, the eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. For if you have not been faithful in a righteous wealth, who will entrust you with true riches? And if you have not been faithful in which is in others, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard this and ridiculed him. He said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Thanks, Trinity. Um, When I was growing up, I grew up in middle Georgia and I knew this guy named Scotty. And um, Scotty was one of these guys that it's like he has a beautiful mind, really nice looking guy, um, really capable, but like just always made like whatever the worst possible decision to make was, that was the one that he was like, and there we go. And uh, so this one time Scotty was driving around um, and he noticed that someone was selling uh, their Corvette. And uh, it's middle Georgia, and so it's just parked out in front of somebody's house with this, you know, the sign. So he went and met met the person that was selling their Corvette, and um, he left his ID with them, 
and uh, he took it for a test drive. He was gone like 10, 15 minutes, came back, and he was like, thanks, you know, I'll think about it, and, um, and he left. And then about 2 a.m. that night, he returned to the Corvette with the key that he had made while he was out test driving the Corvette. And he slipped behind the wheel and cranked it up and drove it away. And um, uh, he was not a uh, Corvette owner for really long. Um, I think it only lasted a day or two before he was found out. Um, Hard to deny that there's genius in that. Um, I've never thought, oh, I could just get a key made while I'm out and I could just drive this car away. But Scotty did. And like, imagine that I told you that story and then I said, that's exactly what God wants you to be like. Be like Scotty. Let's pray. Um, You would all laugh and so would I. But that's kind of exactly what Jesus says in this passage. And part of the reason why I love this this passages like these is because whether you... um, are like a religious person or not, you have an idea of what religious people think God wants them to be like. And if you're a person here and you're a Christian person, you have an idea, this is what God wants me to be like. You can think of people in your life and you say, I want to be like them. That's sort of like the example for me to follow. But then Jesus offers up people for us to be like who are very different from what we imagine. And what I'll, all I want to do with this passage with you, because I really have no idea kind of what to tell you from this passage, I would love for this passage actually to lead us to a time of prayer. Um, and if that feels uncomfortable to you, then it's just an opportunity to be uncomfortable. But I think that what Jesus wants to show us and what we can take into prayer with us is that he wants us like the person in this passage, this dishonest manager, He wants you to let what you believe about the future shape what you do with your stuff. Um, Whatever you believe awaits you in the future, Jesus is calling you to shape, let that shape what you do with your stuff, to be consistent. Now, the question for us is, what awaits us in the future? What is it in the future that should determine how we live today? The manager in this parable, if you weren't following along, um, is doing such a bad job at managing this other person's assets that he is being fired. And so he knows that what is waiting him in the future, um, and he acts accordingly. He has his manager's books of all of his, uh, of all of his, um, his boss's debts, and he goes to one, and he says, how much do you owe my boss? And he says, I owe him about 100 measures of oil. He's like, cool, cool, cool. Let's just call that 50, you know, no big deal. Hey, don't worry about it. And then he goes to another person. He says, how much do you owe my master? He says, I owe him like 80 measures of wheat. He's like 80 or a hundred. He said, I owe him a hundred measures of wheat. He's like a hundred. I think I heard 80. Let's just write down 80. Cause he says, I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm too proud to beg. And so what's going to happen is when I steal from my master and cut all these guys a, um, a break, then later on, they will give me a favor in return. And what happens is that both Jesus 
and the guy's boss say, that was amazing. You should be like that. And Jesus goes on to say, I wish my followers were more like this guy. Not because he was dishonest, because he's, but because he saw what awaited him in the future and he acted accordingly. He got really creative about how to set himself up for the future. Now, you guys are probably all super familiar with taking steps to set yourself up for the future. Um, I have a sense that that's a lot of what's happening. Um, so what does the future hold for us? Um, well, I guess no, no matter what perspective we come from, we all know that life can be really um, cruelly short. The things that we want to accomplish, the things that we want to experience in our lives, often life is not long enough to do that. And, and there's a sense in which that should shape each of our lives, whether we're a follower of Jesus or not. Like, what if you knew that this was the last week that you were going to spend on campus at Wake? That after this, you would never be able to return to Wake Forest? Um, how would you spend your time? You know? Like, probably wouldn't, like, spend time, you know, scrolling or sitting in your room. You would spend time enjoying all of the short moments that we have before us. Um, But what if there is a life beyond this one? Uh, How would that shape what we did with our stuff? I had a friend when I was at Appalachian. Actually, my friend Garrett and I had a friend. My my friend Garrett. Um, And uh, our our friend's name was Chris, so it was very easy to remember his name. And um, Chris was an agnostic Buddhist. He was one of the, the kindest people that I've ever met. And what he meant by being an agnostic Buddhist was he was like, I have no idea about God. I don't know anything about that, but I practice Buddhism because it works for me. And over the, co- the course of the time that I knew him, Chris went through some really hard things. And one day he said to me, you know, I'm no longer an agnostic Buddhist. I'm an agnostic Christian and a practicing Buddhist. And I was like, okay, that means you to explain that one for me a little bit. And he said, I'm still practicing Buddhism because it works for me. It's really great. It helps me get in touch with um, the divine. But I'm an agnostic Christian because I started thinking, what thing would I like to come true the most? What's like the best possible end game? And he was like, man, there's nothing, like nothing has anything on Christianity. Because the end game, as far as Christians are concerned, is that we're not looking forward just to a world without death and suffering, which is, of course, beautiful. We're not just um, promised paradise. But what God actually promises, and this is what actually so gripped Chris's imagination, was that God says that he will be with us face to face. That the God who created all things and created you in his beauty and majesty said that at the end of all things, he will dwell with you and there will be nothing between you and him. That you will behold his beauty and that he will see you and accept you. And he's like, if that it could possibly be true, I would want that. And I love Chris, um, and in that moment, uh, he actually shook me. This is a person that was not, like, following Jesus. And I realized he actually knows something and is sensing and feeling something about God and about the Bible that I've never really come to, to, to terms with like he has. 
He actually woke me up to God. And part of what Jesus is doing in this passage is, and in many, many places in the scripture, is pointing out that people that follow Jesus um, have a lot to learn from people that don't follow Jesus about Jesus. Um, Maybe you know this, but followers of Jesus struggle big time to be consistent people. To actually, what the things that we say are true about God to actually allow them to shape our lives. And the reason why Jesus commends this manager and says to be like this manager is because this manager is like him. The manager that stole from his master and set himself up for the future is just like Jesus. Jesus knew that humans had chosen to be separate from God. That that's our story. But Jesus was unwilling to let that happen. So he used the power of death and the wrath of God in the most genius way to save his people. There is an old African saint named Augustine, and he said that the cross is like a mousetrap for the devil. He can't resist going into it and getting trapped. In a sense, Jesus took his people out for a test drive and left his credentials behind. And he drove his people down into death and hell. And while he was there, he stole the keys so that he could keep us forever. And Jesus has now freed us to be like him and this manager. Meaning what? And this is where I want this to drive us into a, a time of prayer. Jesus wants you and me to use our temporary stuff to make eternal friends. What if the whole rationale for all of the things that you have was to begin to use them for eternity and to invest in people that you will have an eternal relationship with? Um, I want to invite you um, to... You can close your eyes, or if that distracts you, it's okay. You can keep them open. Um, and I want you to take a moment to take an inventory of what you've got. And here's what I, here's what I don't want you to do. I'm not asking you to make a guilt list of the, all the things that you feel ashamed for having. Okay? I want you to, to just take an inventory of all the, the beautiful gifts that you have. What I also don't want want you to do is to make a comparison list. A list by which we only list things as being gifts when they are better or more than someone else. Well, we have money, but it's not as much, you know. Not a comparison list, not a guilt list, but simply take stock of what you have. I want to invite you to think about your physical possessions. I want to invite you to think about the abilities that you have, the things that you can do physically, mentally, emotionally. I want to invite you to think about the skills that you have developed, the things that you have learned to do well. 
I want you to think about your personality and the gifts of your personality. Think about what other people say it's like to interact with you. you to think about relationships that you have, friendships, organizational connections, networks. Think about family, the gifts that you may have within your family. I know this might be uh, uh, uncomfortable and it's okay. I want you to imagine holding all those things in your hands. It may be helpful for you to hold your hands in your lap to imagine that with your body. Lord, we um, can either use our stuff to love you and to love others. Or we can use you and use others to love our stuff. And Lord, I thank you for this collection of extremely gifted human beings. Lord, they are eternal beings. There is not a person in this room who is not made to live forever. And Lord, you've given each of us gifts way beyond the stuff that we can imagine. Lord, there's even gifts in our pain and in our stories that we have to offer. And Lord, I know that each of us in the room is desperate to engage what matters. Lord Jesus, you have said that wherever our treasure is, our heart will be also. And so, Lord, we take a moment now to sit with you and ask you to search us as we hold these gifts before you. Lord, would you search our heart and show us a more beautiful way Lord Jesus you are the one who came to us and went down into death and was raised again defeating death forever Lord show us how to follow you into dying and into new life so Lord, we take, a, we take a few moments to sit with you and ask you to search us now.
Lord, each of us um, has turned away from you at so many times and hoarded things for ourselves or been so afraid to risk in a relationship um, and has refused to trust you. But you, God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which you loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace we have been saved, and you have raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Lord, you have saved those who call on your name so that you can spend eternity lavishing immeasurable riches of your grace on us. Lord, would you allow that now as we continue to sit before you with ourselves, our gifts, would you allow that to resonate in our hearts? That you save people to lavish grace and mercy and love on us forever. And Lord, I pray that you would fill each of us, each of my sisters and brothers um, with hope um, in the future that, Lord Jesus, that you have been raised from the dead. And that means that our best days are never behind, but the best is always to come. And Lord, we um, desperately want to be set free from the prison of ourselves and free to love free to love you and free to love others. So Lord, remind us of that even as we hear what awaits. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with people. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Lord, teach this to our hearts. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. 
Lord, we pray that you would begin that even now in our hearts and even as we think about our paths and our futures, we think about all the things that you've given us. Lord, we want to join in your work of making all things new. And so, Lord, as we leave this time of prayer, as we sing another song, as we go back out into our world, working on our midterms, working in the fellows program, whatever it is that we have, uh, Lord, we pray that you would fill us with hope for the future that would help us to trust you now and to be really creative and weird. We pray all this, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Let's sing this song.